And they're challenging him concerning some of the statements that Jesus made. They're challenging him concerning his identity. And they could find nothing wrong with him. And the only accusation they could make against him was based upon who he said that he was, his identity. And he answered them and he said this to those who were questioning him, trying to entrap him. And they made this statement and said, well, Abraham is our father. And he said, Jesus said unto them, and well, if you were Abraham's children, then you would do the works of Abraham. Can I paraphrase that a little bit? If you are God's children, then we need to do the works of the Lord, right? If we're God's child, man and woman, son, daughter, then we need to do the works of the Father. We would do the works of Abraham. The Bible said many things about Abraham, but one of the things that it said that Abraham obtained righteousness by faith. He entered into a covenant relationship with God. And as a sign of that covenant, he was, he was given circumcision. Every covenant that God makes, when you look in Scripture, God gives a sign of the covenant. It's an external evidence, if you will, of an internal work. When you look back in Scripture with Noah, it was a rainbow. With Abraham, it was circumcision. With you and I, who have been born again, it's water baptism. There's always an external evidence of an internal work of a covenant relationship between God and between man. Not only did God uh, or Abraham obtain righteousness by faith, but the Bible said he tithed as well. There's three reasons a man won't tithe, either unbelief, fear, or greed. And I still believe, even to this day, I've made this statement to you, but if every man or every family in the house of the church tithe, there would be no need for special offerings to be taken up. That's a promise that God has given us. And so God told Abraham about that. But not only that, but, but Abraham rescued Lot that we find in scriptures with 318 servants trained in his own household. If Abraham was a pastor today, that would simply mean that he rescued a man. He rescued a man in difficulty with 318 men that were born again into the kingdom of God in his own church, or he was discipled by the pastor. Abraham was responsible for doing that. But not only that, the Bible says Abraham commanded his children after him. The Bible says in Genesis 18 and 19 that God said concerning Abraham, for I know him and he will command his children children after him and God was commending Abraham and he said I know that he was command his children after him and they will follow the Lord and God's commendation for Abraham was not the fact that he was a father of many nations that the Bible speaks about or become the father of the faithful but that primarily and fundamentally that he would be the father of his family we're talking about fathers today are we as fathers the father of our family today are we responsible for raising our family today? Are we responsible for loving our spouse the way that we need to today? Are we responsible for raising our grandchildren the way that the Lord spoke to us about in his word? And not only this, but Abraham was given four responsibilities by God concerning his sons. When you look in the scripture, it was Abraham's responsibility to circumcise his son. And he circumcised Ishmael at 13 years of age and Isaac at eight days of age. It was Abraham's responsibility to find him a wife. He found Rebecca, and when he sent the servant out to look for, uh, for Isaac a wife, it was Abraham's responsibility to leave a legacy or an inheritance for
for his son. If God did not want sons to inherit ministries, he would not be known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Amen. Those sons can inherit a ministry or they can inherit a business, but they cannot inherit the anointing. That has to become upon them themselves through their relationship with the Lord. Isaac and Jacob, the Bible says, went out and had to dig wells of their father by themselves. Sons can inherit the business, dads. They can inherit your ministry, possibly. They can inherit what God has given to you as the visionary, what God has given to you as that strong leader of your house. They can inherit all of those things from you, but they simply cannot inherit the relationship that God made you who you are. They've got to develop and dig that out for themselves. Amen. I've been blessed today but to be born into a Christian home. I've been blessed today that while I'm preaching to you, my father is in South Mississippi preaching a Father's Day message to our home church down there. I've been blessed to be brought up by the Rod, Brother Roger by a Christian mom and a Christian dad. But can I tell you something? Even though I was born into a Christian home, I cannot get to heaven just simply based upon that fact. I've got to dig out my relationship by myself. I've got to dig out my relationship with the Father simply through just me loving him and getting to know him and digging those wells by myself. Can I get an amen in the house today? We've got to know Jesus personally, amen. We've got to know him for who he said he was. We've got to know him for who he is in our hearts and in our lives today. Listen to me, Father. Listen to me, Mama. Listen to me, anybody. If you think that you can just come to church week in and week out and sit on the church pew, and when the Lord comes back, you're going to get in, you're mistaken. It's not going to happen. But I've got to dig my relationship out with the Father. If you think you can get to heaven based upon mama and daddy, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You've got to dig that relationship out yourself. And sometimes he keeps me digging. How about you? Sometimes he keeps me digging. Sometimes I've got to dig a deep, deep, deep well in order to find the water of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And it was Abraham's responsibility to leave a legacy or an inheritance. Not only that, it was Abraham's responsibility to teach his sons a trade. When you go back in the Old Testament, you'll find that it was the responsibility of the father to help his son, to help his daughter to mature. That's why he'll ask his son, did you do it? Many times. We've asked our children that when they've done something. Did you do it? Why is that? Before we correct them, before we punish them, we want to know, did you do it? Why? Because you want the child to accept responsibility. Now, that should have been a big amen right there. Because we live in a day and time where nobody wants to take responsibility. Hello? Nobody wants to take responsibility today. But at some point in time, we've just got to say, I did it. I did it, Lord. And forgive me of what I've done. Help me to get back on where I need to be. Adam refused to accept responsibility. He refused to accept it for his actions. And as a result, he lost his manhood. And he was expelled from Eden. He had it good. Go back and read the scriptures. But didn't the Lord say, Sister Mavis, that from this day, you'll dig it out at the ground. You'll dig it out in the dirt. To make a living, you're going to dig it out. He was expelled from the garden. That's bad news. 
But the good news is this this morning. There came another Adam, and his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. And when Jesus came, that second Adam, he not only accepted the responsibility for his actions, but he accepted the responsibility for the actions of the entire world. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because he and he alone went to the cross. He and he alone died on the cross. He and he alone shed his blood that you and I might be sitting here today and worshiping him. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the difference in men. Some men can't accept responsibility for their own actions. Others who are Christ-like accept responsibility for their actions. They accept responsibilities for the family. If they can, they'll accept, expect uh, responsibilities from other people as well. It's the measure of who they are. Matter of fact, some have said you care for others is the measure, through your caring for others, is the measure of your greatness. Jesus is great not simply because he was born of a virgin. Not simply because he lived a sinless life and went about doing good. But he is great because he accepted the concern and the care and the sin of the entire world that rested upon his shoulders. And the measure of his greatness is how much he cared for others. It's the same in your life and my life as well. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful today that the Lord cared enough about me, Sister Virginia, that one day he looked down through time and said, there's a boy that needs to be saved. I'm thankful that he had enough concern about me me, Brother Roger, that he looked down through time and said, I'm fixing to call him to preach one day. I'm thankful that he looked down through time and said, hey, there's a woman and there's a man that needs to be saved, and I'm going to the cross that they may have life and have it more abundantly, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. We live in a day that the breakdown of the family in America, they tell us, is because of the rise of crime. But that ain't it. That's what they tell us. They tell us the breakdown of America is through abortion. But that's not it. Even though there's thousands of babies aborted every day. But that's not it. They tell us that the breakdown of the family is because teenage pregnancies. And, but that ain't it. And they tell us all kinds of things that's afflicting our society and all these things do. But that's not the reason of the breakdown of the family. Government agencies and researchers like Ken Cranfield, who, who leads the Center of Fathering, have all attested to the fact that the root cause for the breakdown of the family is a thing called fatherlessness. Fatherlessness. It's not simply the absence from the family, listen to me now, but it's an absence for the concern of the family. You may be there every day and still be absent. Lisa, you deal with it every day, don't you? I deal with it every day. Many of you deal with it every day. You see it every day. But the breakdown of our families today is not through all these other things, even though they may add to it. But fatherlessness is simply the man's refusal to be responsible not only for himself, but for the family. Now, I don't have any fathers in here doing that, and thank God. You better not be. If you are, shame on you. And get right today before you leave. Is that all right? They tell us there's seven characteristics of a child when the child is born. These babies that come up here on stage this morning, they don't have a care in the world. They do what they're supposed to. They eat, sleep, and poop. That's what they're supposed to do, and they do it well. Amen. They do it well. 
But I'm glad that you have more responsibilities than that this morning. Or it'd be a bad situation in this place today. But they tell us there's seven characteristics of a child. One is this. The child has a center of its own universe. It's all about them. The insensitive to others' needs. That's true. It demands its own way. That's right. From time to time, they've got temper tantrums. That's true, if it's not catered to. They're unreasonable at times. Children can be. They're irresponsible. They can be. And only subject to concrete authority. Why do you say that, Pastor? If they ask Daddy one thing, if Daddy says what they don't like, they'll go ask Mama. And they'll go play them back and forth until they get the answer that they want. Right? We've got teenagers that does that. Not just kids, teenagers. I did it when I was growing up. If I didn't like what Mama said, I'd go to Daddy. If I didn't like what Daddy said, I'd go to Mama. And most times, just I'd talk Mama into it. Hello, anybody will testify with me? Y'all need to get alive in this house today. You've all been there just like I have. But these are the seven characteristics. A lot of times when I hear about this, I think of sometimes these professional, professional uh, 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 players, basketball or, or football players, how they act sometimes. I don't have time to go there. Those are the characteristics of a child. But here's the thing. Irresponsibility leads to the characteristics of fatherlessness, which causes the breakdown of the family. Three verses in Exodus chapter 4 concerning Moses, who was the friend of God, who spoke face to face with God. It says that Moses stood in his way and sought to kill Moses. God did this. Moses stood in his way. God stood in his way and sought to kill Moses. And the Bible says, go back and look at it in Exodus, that Zipporah, his wife, suddenly took a sharp stone and circumcised his son and then looked at her husband and said this, thou art a bloody husband to me. Go back and read it. Three verses. Say, Pastor, what has that got to do with Father's Day? The significance of those three verses right there far exceeds any measure in the writing of the Scripture. The reason why God did it is because Moses failed to do what God commanded him to do. Listen to me, dads. I'm not trying to get on to anybody this morning, but are we listening to the Father? Are we paying attention to what the Father has to say? If he was going to do Abraham's works, then he had to circumcise his son as the commandment set forth. But he failed to do it because he was busy. Now, I'm, I'm fixing to hit some of us. I might hit me too. He was busy, Brother Joe, in the ministry. He got busy doing good things. He got busy doing good works, and he failed to do what God told him and instructed him to do. And he left the care to his wife, and Sephora was a Mennonite, and she did not follow the ways of Israel. And Moses indulged his son because he deferred to his wife. No man is ever an exception to God's law. Not Abraham, not Moses, not me, and not you. Because God holds the man accountable. Listen to me, dads. The Bible speaks about that you are the priest of your home. You're the leader of your home. That doesn't mean that you have to lord over everybody. That doesn't mean that you have to walk over everybody but you have to be alongside of them. You have to lead an effective way 
in your house. God said to Moses, no way. When she circumcised the son and did what Moses should have done, God, the Bible said, stayed the executioner's hand. Go back and look at the scriptures. The prophet Eli, his posterity was cut off because the Bible said that God said to him, your sons made themselves vile. Strong words. And you did not restrain them. In other words, let's just say what, what, what we understand. You didn't do what I told you to do to keep your sons in line. You didn't do what I told you to do. And God said to Eli, you have honored your sons, who is the priest, above me. And as a result of it, God cut him off. Eli was a priest, but he sacrificed his family on the altar of ministry. His ministry meant more to him than his relationship to God and to his family. We still, and I thank God for this, we still have Christian men today who are sacrificing what they want to do so they can hold on to their family. I'm thankful today we still have men today who are loving their family the way that they need to. But Brother Roger, there are others, even in the ministry, that if they're not careful, they'll sacrifice their family because of ministry. Now, I'm going to testify and get a little personal with me. Karen can tell you, I'm telling you the truth, that there's a period of time, Brother Joe, in our marriage that I've done the same thing. And I don't like to admit it. I don't like it at all. But Brother Richard, I went through probably two to three years. Karen may think more. But I know at least two or three years is a minimum that I sacrificed my family even when Adam was young and little, because I was doing ministry. I was doing good things. I was running here and I was ministering to people. And I, people was talking about how good I was at this and, and how much of a blessing to come over here and doing all that. And all it just made my head swell up. Just being honest with you. But all the while I was sacrificing my relationship with my wife and my son. And didn't realize it. All the while I was going through the motions of doing the right thing and the good thing and sacrificing my own family. Let me help some of you fathers for just a second. If you have a ministry and you're serving God, your first ministry is your family. Amen. Wives, you should have shouted right then. Your first responsibility is your spouse. Your first responsibility is to listen to the Word of God and be able to preach the Word of God. But my first responsibility that I had to learn the hard way was We need to listen to that. Genesis 2 and 15 said this. The Bible says that we are to guard and we're to guide and we're to govern. That's a threefold responsibility to us dads on this earth. Both in our profession and with the Lord and with our family. The sum total of our life is, can be embraced in these three things. Your stewardship, your relationship, and your leadership. Your manhood is discovered your manhood is manifested, and it's known by your stewardship, 
by your relationship, and by your leadership. It's our responsibility as fathers not to make all of our children's decisions for them. I know we've got to make a lot of those. But it's our responsibility not to make all of those decisions, but to let our children see us make good decisions. Amen. I don't need to get off on a rabbit track here. I've been in offices before. And, and as people come and talk to me as dads and as moms, and they bring little children in here. And they come and, and they have all these sob stories. Now, the ones I'm telling you about is people that I honestly know. Lisa, you, you might need to help me right here. You, you need to amen me real big right here because you work in this every day. It's people that I know and I honestly know their story that they are not telling me the truth. They're lying to me. I know them. And they have these little kids with them, and all they're doing is training that child in that moment. That's what they're doing. And you have generation after generation after generation that's not been taught how to take care of themselves. That's the culture that we're living in. That's where we are. That's where we are today. We still got to love them. We still got to disciple them. We still have to lead them to the Lord. We still have to help them from time to time. But we live in a culture today that we're not training our children and giving them that responsibility, teaching them the trade as Abraham, as God told Abraham to do, and leading them in the ways of the Lord. Amen. The rule of fatherhood for a believing Christian is this. Follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Four things that we spoke about already, but let me give them to you one more time. That if we're born of Abraham's seed, which is to be part of the faithful, if we're to be born again, if we have received Christ's righteousness of faith, then the Lord told Abraham, he's telling us to make sure our son is circumcised. You say, Pastor, that's, 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 that's crude. That's hard. I'm not talking about the physical this morning. Listen to me. I'm talking about to make sure that our sons and daughters are saved. I'm talking about to lead them to Christ. You're the Noah of your house. You're the Noah of your house. Go back and look at Scripture. How, who, who did Noah get on the ark with him? Who was it? His family. Nobody else. He preached hundreds of years. Nobody else. His family got on the ark. We are the Noah of our heart, of our house. That means we're to make sure that our sons and daughters are saved. That's number one priority. He wants our sons and daughters to come to know him. The salvation of our children. Number two is this. We're to leave a children an inheritance. The greatest legacy that you can give your children is the legacy of faith today. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. I messed up and I want to do something sort of neat today. But I'm going to have to wait till next year. But what I wanted to do I wanted dad to begin preaching to you. And then I was going to get up and preach to you. And then I'd already talked to Adam about getting up and preach to you. And then he was going to bring his little son up. Now, he wasn't going to preach to you. But you was just going to look at him. He said, Pastor, why would you want to do that? Because to me, what a blessing it is. We have four generations that's in the house of God. What a blessing it is that dad is preaching at this moment at the church in Clara, and I'm able to preach to you this moment in your house. Amen. And my son and my grandson is here to listen. I'm a blessed guy. I'm a blessed guy. I was thinking this week at, at camp meeting Brother Cup, and I was Brother Watson, I, I sat by him a lot 
And I told him, I said, Terry, I said, I just want you to know, I'm blessed today. He said, what are you talking about? I said, well, look up on stage. I said, Adam is up there singing with you guys. He goes to church here. I said, my daughter just was up there with, with Caleb, and I didn't even know she was married. But, she's, but I found out she was married. And, she, and she's up there, and she's wanting to work in the ministry. I said, those are my kids. And one of the greatest blessings for me as a father, I'm not trying to, to elevate my kids. I'm not trying, I, that's not what I'm trying to do. But what I'm trying to tell you, I'm blessed today because my family is in the house today. And they're saved today. They're saved today. Hallelujah. Now that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that something won't happen in the future. That the enemy would try to rob, steal, and kill, and destroy. Because that's what the enemy's going to try to do. But if he's done that to your children, don't give up on them. You continue to love them. You continue to pray over them. You continue to call their name in prayer. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That's our number one priority. Leave a legacy. Leave a legacy. Leave a legacy. Our sons and our daughters born into our family now see us in this Christian context. And so when we try to prevent them from going through what we went through, all they, all they think sometimes is, is that we're preaching to them sometimes. My kids thought the same thing. You're preaching to me, Dad. I thought the same thing with my dad. You're preaching to me. I used to say, I can't wait to get out of the house. Anybody else said that? Can't wait to go do my own thing. Can't wait to make my own decision. Only to find out that Daddy was right all the time. So listen to me, young person. If you're sitting in this house today, let me, let me save you some time, all right? Let me save you some stress and save you some worry. I know your dad is an old fogey. I get it. I know they may not know everything, but I will tell you, on the other hand, they know everything. They know everything. Listen to them. Listen to them. Love them. Love them. Love them. Because it'll save you some time. Your greatest legacy to your son and daughter is the testimony of what Jesus Christ, that he transformed your life. Say, Pastor, why are you saying that? Have you ever sat down with your son and with your daughter and testified to them about the goodness of God? Have you ever sat down and, and just told them where you come from and how, what God saved you from? You ever, you ever wonder what kind of a blessing that could be to your son and daughter when they can hear your story? Because you, you do have a story. And you could testify of the fact of knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. The third thing we're supposed to do as fathers is teach our children to trade. Now, that doesn't mean you have to do what dad does. That's not what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. That means for you and me is to give them, and I better get a big amen right here, is to give them a good work ethic. Those of you that own a business in here today, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Folk don't know how to work today. They don't have a work ethic today. They don't understand the value of work today. Every church, Brother Adam, that daddy pastored, he made me work at that church. I didn't like it. There was one time at Mount Olive, you, you and Sheena pastored there. By the way, Sheena's got a new name we found out this past week. Her new name is Shania, in case anybody <laughs> needs to understand. But Dwayne, you and Shania... When y'all pastored at Mount Olive, you know, the, you know the ground, the layout. But before you guys got there, I was there. And when we got there, there were rocks all over that, that property out there. In the churchyard, in the parsonage yard, and all of them. They were flat rocks, but they were just under the ground. For some stupid reason, 
Daddy thought we need to get those rocks up out of that yard so we could grow some grass. And for days and weeks, we went out there and we dug those rocks and piled those rocks up right now. I wish I had some of those rocks right now because they cost a bunch at the, at the landscaping place. <laughs> I wish I had a bunch of them. But he made us work. We built a, we built a, a, a tennis court. We, we, we built a, a bedroom and a living room on the back of the parsonage. We've done all kinds of things. Every place that he went, we worked there, and he didn't pay me nothing. He allowed me to sit at his table and eat a biscuit. And every time when I would mess up, he whooped me. What was he doing? He was teaching me a work ethic. He was teaching me a work ethic, and, and I learned it. The hard way, but I learned it. So we're to teach our, 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 a work ethic to our kids. Study habits. The fourth thing is this. We're to help them find a spouse. Now, I know all the girls in the, that sit here, I says, uh-uh, pastor, don't go there. I don't want my daddy finding me a spouse. I don't want daddy finding me a spouse. <laughs> but this is what I'm talking about. Consider this. Marriage is the second most important decision made in life. Say, why? Well, because first, the first important decision is, is, is receiving Christ as Savior. Second is to receive a spouse. And that's because marriage can be the closest thing to heaven or hell on earth. Amen. Amen. Now I'm preaching good right here. Say, Pastor, what are you talking about? If, if, you, if you could just hang around me a few days. Just hang around me. There are couples that come to my office all the time. And their marriage is hell. And I'm sitting there listening to their stories. And trying to figure out what went wrong. I mean, at one time you loved one another. At one time you cared for one another. At one time, you stood up on the stage like I did, and you said those famous words for better and for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, until death. <laughs> until death separate us. But we live in a culture today that if I don't like you and you don't like me, I ain't staying with you. Amen. Amen. I like what Sister Jeanette said. And she, if she was here today, she's over. I don't know where she is today. She's probably over at Ruddle Road. Um, we've got to pray for her. But anyway, she's, <laughs> Sister Jeanette would tell you that when she first got married to, to James, he treated her bad. And I don't know how long they were married, but wasn't, wasn't long. I don't think Sister Sue wasn't married long, but she went back home to, to her mama named Panitha. And this is what Sister Stevens told her. Get back to the house where you belong. Now, I've got to be honest with you. I... I got to pray about that one. If Caleb treated Abby bad, I don't know where he's at. I'm no, I'm not, I don't think he will. But if, but if he did, and Abby come home, I'd, I wouldn't send her back. I'd go over there. And I'd have to have a talk first. But in that day and time, divorce, all of those things wasn't as prevalent as it was today. Do you understand that there, we come through a day and time where everybody thought you was not supposed to get divorced. Now, I know it's hard for some of us to think about it, 
But that's where we come from. You work out the situation. Through God, through prayer, get a hold of, get a hold of, get a hold of God, get a hold of your preacher, get a hold of somebody. But Sister Stephen told her to get back to the house where you belong because that is your husband now. And y'all work it out. I don't know how long they was married, but they was married for a long time. Until he passed away and accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. But he was faithful. God's trying to show the children of Israel something one day and told Hosea, I want you to go marry a prostitute. Go marry a harlot. That was hard to understand. That was hard to get. But that's what Hosea did. He went and got her. She messed around on him and left him. God says, go get her. That would have took me but one time. Matter of fact, I've heard it more than one time that Karen has told me, so let me tell you something. If you ever mess around on me, I'm going to kill you, number one. And you're not allowed back at the house. Well, I believe her. But she messed around on him again. And God says, go get her. She messed around on him again. God says, go get her. And what God was trying to show the nation of that day, his love for the people, because are we not the same? Yes, we are. Are we not the same? How many times have you messed up and God's come back and got you? How many times have you blew it and God has come back and accepted you back in? How many times have you just royally messed up and God said, you're my son and you're my daughter and I love you with an everlasting love and an unconditional love and I give to you. He went and got her. We got to teach them that a marriage in a, is a covenant relationship and that for every covenant that God makes, he gives a sign for the covenant. The sign for the covenant of a marriage is sex. In America, we do it backwards. Now, I know this is getting a little, little tough this morning. But in America, we do it backwards. We think we've got to sleep with our partner before marrying them. I didn't figure I'd get a lot of amens right there. But it's still true. It's still truth. Pastor, you need to wake up. This is the 21st century. Yeah, I know. But it's still true. You're not up with the signs of the times. I may not be, but it's still true. And, 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 and the reason I say that is because I deal with these things all the time. And if we want to start our house right, if we want to start our home right, if we want to start our covenant relationship between husband and wife right, then do it right. Get it right. Follow the principles of Almighty God. Follow what He has to say. You say, Pastor, well, what if I've already messed up? It's all right. God loves you anyway. God cares about you. That's what forgiveness is for. And I'm not just saying that lightly. That's what forgiveness is for. The Lord died on the cross that we might be saved. Amen. But we as dads and parents, we've got to teach our children that this is what's supposed to happen. These are the things that's what's supposed to take place. That's why in Hebrews 13 and 4, the Bible says marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. Hello. And so your son and daughter need to understand that virginity is one gift that God has given to them one time to give to one person in one lifetime. Amen. Not to 48 partners. Surely, pastor, people don't do that. Y'all might need to wake up. But they do. 
And when we give that gift of virginity to that one person in marriage, it shows them that they are uniquely the one person above all others that they love that person their entire life. Virginity is not something to be thrown away. It's not something to be discarded. Or let organizations with disdain view and throw it back as, as that we live in some kind of Victorian era. We protect our daughters and sons with that truth. We protect them. We protect them. Go ahead, guys. We protect them with that truth. And the Bible says the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. That's our responsibility. Now, I'm fixing to come to a close, but I've got two or three other things I want to do here first. You can't leave this kind of stuff up to television to teach your kids. You can't leave this up to the internet to teach your kids. You can't leave this up to YouTube. they got all kinds of stuff on YouTube. You can't leave that up to YouTube to teach your kids. You can't even leave it up to the Sunday school teacher. You can't even leave it up to your pastor. You can't leave it up to the school systems. You can't leave it up to anybody. God holds us as men accountable and nobody else. We are the head of the family. But if seducing spirits and if seducing doctrines of devils can either morally or spiritually get a hold of us and enter us and take over us, they will simply tear the family up. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. As a pastor, I've saw this many times. Other pastors that's in the house, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Where you saw a man or a woman get away from God. And little by little by little by little, precept upon precept, they eventually are tore apart. And not only are they tore apart. Matter of fact, Brother Terry was, again, I'm with him this past week and this is one thing he told me. We was talking about some things in the church. He said, Brother Danny, I've got a couple in our church right now. He said, they came to me and said, we're getting a divorce. We're done with it. And everything will be all right. The kids will be fine. Brother Terry said, let me tell you something. You may be all right, but your kids will never be all right. Brother Terry, yes, they will. They'll be fine. He told them again, no, they won't. They may act fine. They may look fine, but they will never be fine. There'll be a rip in their heart. There'll be a rip in their spirit. It'll always be with them. It'll always be with them. And the woman was telling him, well, I've just got to get rid of him. I don't want nothing else to do with him. He said, you're crazy. Because you have children with this guy. You'll always have a connection with this guy. We can't leave it up to the systems of our world, seducing spirits, all of these things. Do you understand that Eli caused his sons to be fatherless? Moses caused his son to be a fatherless. David caused his son Adonijah to be fatherless. Why did these men fail? Because they did not do the works of Abraham and the disciple, their son, and their daughters. Our responsibility as men and fathers is to ensure the salvation of our children, to leave them a legacy of faith, to teach them how to be productive on their own, to teach them the moral standards of the word of Almighty God, to teach them, to teach them. Hold the standard high. Hold that torch high. Hold the torch high. If you're taking notes, it comes down to four things that you provide for your family. Think about this. You provide these things through Jesus Christ. You provide intimacy. You provide discipline. 
You provide love and you provide value. Those things that God, through Christ, gave us through the family, through the church, four things that a successful pastor will give his congregation, his intimacy, discipline, love, and value. Four things that a father will provide for his family, for the upbringing of the kids, is intimacy and discipline and love and value. Say it with me this morning. Intimacy, love, value, discipline. Those four things, intimacy, discipline, love, and value. Now watch this with me. Why are gangs in our nation growing today? Because they provide intimacy, discipline, love, and value. Think about that. That's what they offer. Gangs are counterfeit families. Cults are counterfeit families. Prisons are counterfeit families today. That's not what God instituted as the family. That's not. Fathers, we've got we've to provide those things for our kids. We are fathers today. We are fathers today. I've got some good news for you. You're doing a good job. And you're raising your kids. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Just ask my kids. They'll tell you I'm not perfect. But we're doing a good job. We've got some sons and daughters here today. Guys, if you're out there, I want you to come on in. Let our sons and daughters come in. I want you to stand up here in the front. Come on in, guys. Come running down. You're a lot younger than we are, so you can run. Come running on down quick. Get up here in the front. They're all over this building. Just spread yourself out all over here. Put shoulder to shoulder. These are our sons and daughters. Amen. Amen. Turn around here, guys, and look at me just for a second. And then I'm going to face you around to the congregation just a second. Bring them all in. We've got several more that's out today. But these are the sons and daughters that's here today. You're standing here as sons and as daughters today. You're our sons and daughters, grandsons and granddaughters, nieces, nephews. I will tell you, we want you to know, and I'll say this, but I'm sure they'll tell you too that we love you. And as fathers, listen to me, we may not have done all everything right all the time. We've not been perfect. We haven't always done the right thing. And sometimes we've, we've been a little too harsh because we don't want you to have to go through what we have went through. And sometimes we fathers, we become overbearing and we've been harsh sometimes and dictatorial at times and authoritative at times. And we've not let you express yourself. Is these all the kids? Where's all the kids today? They in the nursery? That's a bunch of kids gone. We've always sometimes been authoritative. And I want you to stand here. And on behalf of all the fathers today, that I say to you that sometimes we need to ask forgiveness. We need to say, I'm sorry. And we want you to know that we love you because you are our sons and your daughters. Because really, if, if all these dads could tell you today, all we want to be is a good dad. See, some of us dads, we didn't have good father figures. But God's helping us and God's teaching us. It'll help us, it'll equip us to be good earthly fathers. And that's what we're trying to do. 
And if you're in the house, I want the church to stand and you fathers in the house. I want you to stretch your hand toward these children today. We want to pray over these kids today. I want you to stretch your hands and I want you to begin to pray for your child today. Begin to pray and to bestow blessing upon them. Pray that God's anointing upon them. Stretch out your hands and pray blessing upon your children. Don't just whisper a prayer, but say it out loud. Father, in the name of Jesus, we stretch our hands toward these, our children, and our Lord, and we ask you to help them. We ask you to forgive us of the things that we've done wrong, the errors that we've made, the sins that we've committed toward them. We ask you to cleanse them of those things. We ask you to help them to forgive us and release that out of our lives so that they don't have to bear that with the rest of their life. And Lord, we pray that your blessing upon them. We pronounce the blessing of the covenant grace of Almighty God upon their lives today. And we commit them to the kingdom of God, both now and eternally, that the Lord, that you will never, that they'll never know the depths of depravity and sin. You'd keep them in grace and keep them in faith. Keep them in the blood. And God calls them to grow up, bring honor and glory and praise to Jesus. In your holy name we pray. Amen and amen. Dads, I want you to come up here and get behind your child right now. If your dad is not here, mamas, if you're here, you come. If you're a single parent, then I want you to come and get behind these children today. Come on, get behind them. Now, guys, I want you to turn around and face your fathers. Face your fathers. We're going to do something this morning that I don't know what I've ever done before. I believe with all of my heart that God pays special attention to children and their prayers. I do. I believe they pray special attention to prayers. I believe that what they pray sometimes, Aaron, may not sound like much, but God is quickened through their prayer. I remember when Adam was growing up, you've heard me tell this story, and he was just a little toddler. Karen, we was riding traveling one day, and she said, I've got a headache, my head hurts. And Adam turned around and laid hands on his mama. Prayed for her. Why? Because that's what he was taught to do. And I believe that God heard his prayer. So dads and moms, I don't know if this is going to be an easy or hard thing for you. Now, Aaron, you're all right because your kid's about as big as you are. But some of these others, they're a little smaller than you. And I want you dads to kneel down to get eye level with them. And, and kids, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I want you to lay hands on mama and lay hands on daddy today. And we're going to pray a prayer for your father today. Would you do that? Could you lay hands on your parents and your, your, your mom and dad today? And we're going to pray for them. Father, as children today, we stand here today in the anointing of your Spirit, willing to forgive, desiring to forgive, to be released not only from the errors of the past, but into a new relationship, a covenant relationship with God in Christ through the shedding of blood. Lord, even as a child, we have put our hands upon our fathers. May fathers receive today. May our father, may our mother today receive the grace and the faith and the love from us. And I pray, God, that this will be a time of new beginnings in the name of Jesus for both fathers and children and to the glory and the honor of your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you give all these guys a big hand today? Hallelujah. 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 Just remain standing right here, guys, just for a second. I appreciate you doing this.
Thank you for coming and thank you teachers for bringing them out of the class, bringing them in. Our children are special. And as fathers, we got a great responsibility. we got a great responsibility ahead of us. Always follow what the book says and we'll not go wrong. Always follow what the book says. Matter of fact, when your kids is old and out of the house, you don't stop being a father. You don't. You don't stop being a mama. You remain parents all the time. All the time. Right now, if my mama was here, y'all know it already. It ain't nothing new, I'm telling you. I'm her favorite child. <laughs> Brother Raines, I'm her baby boy. I am. She'll tell you that. I can go in her house at any time, get whatever I want out of the, out of the refrigerator, get whatever I want out of the cabinet, and she'll not say nothing, and she'll get up and help me fix it even. Because that's what mamas do. That's just what they do. They don't stop being a mama. Now, sometimes she'll get on to me. She still does that. Sometimes I get on her nerves. I still do that. But she's still my mother. And I'll love her until, as you do. Amen. I understand today, as I said earlier, that for some of you this day, it's a tough day. But my prayer for you today is that God bless you. God keep you. God pour his blessing upon you. God strengthen you in the loneliness, missing your father. Remember those good things. Remember the good things. I've done a little reflection this week of dad, Sister Sheena, that I know in this church that is no longer here because they've passed on, went on to be with the Lord and thought about them. Thank God, thank you for letting me know them. Thank you for letting me get acquainted with a lot of these individuals. Right now, they're a part of that great cloud of witnesses that's cheering us on. They're saying we can make it. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you.